What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, along with my co-host, Chris Kay. Today, we're taking a break from our normal debate routine, and we're going to give you a review of the new Metallica album, 72 Seasons. Writing for the album began in 2020 during the pandemic shutdown, with recording starting in November of 2021, which lasted an entire year into November of 2022. The album was announced shortly thereafter, and the first single, Lux Eternal, was released right after Metallica appeared on The Howard Stern Show. Now the album has finally released on April 14th, and we're going to see if it lives up to the hype. So with that said, we've listened to all 12 songs, and we're going to give you what we honestly think of this release, warts and all, on this special edition of Debating Metal, The 72 Seasons Review. I would also like to welcome our special guest, Sklo, who has kindly taken the time to call in and join us on this special episode. Sklo, how are you tonight? Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to review the album with you guys, and I'm ready to go. Sounds cool. All right, so as Chris said, the album came out April 14th, and uh, it made quite an impact. I mean, it, it, this this album has is not doing, let's, let's, let's use that word. This album has been promoted very much like albums used to be promoted back in the day when record sales actually mattered a midnight sale they had uh this is different i mean the movie theater thing was different they had the premiere in, in select theaters around the country or actually around the world because they did it i mean it, news broke early in the morning on Tuesday, on thursday um that from australia when they did the movie there that they were going to broadcast the two concerts from from Dallas uh, in August in movie theaters. So that's pretty cool. Um, so what do you think of, of this promotion that they've been doing so far, guys? Man, it's it's wild to see because we live in such a different generation where music is, you know, single-based or just streaming-based. And it's interesting to see a band release an album, how really, in my view, it should be released. Um, you know, some fanfare, uh, music videos. It's just, it's just kind of an anachronism in our, our time period, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, uh, Chris, on that. I, I agree hundred percent. Same with you, Kenneth. Is, um, it's totally different and I, it's different. I mean, it's how it used to be. And I think that makes it really intriguing. And I think that's, it's awesome. And I think it's cool that the younger generation is seeing that, like how, how it used to be done and and honestly how successful it's been so far i mean it's been out for you know what five six days and it's it's getting so much press and it's been all over the place so yeah i, I like it it's really cool it's so crazy because i sent you slow a, a meme of of bart of homer simpson in a bar and all the characters inside the bar had a head that looked like the 72 seasons album and they were talking about uh the meme was this is what my timeline looks like right now or something like that it's just full of 72 seasons reviews and comments and postings and all that stuff it's it's absolutely different than any other album i've seen uh, in quite some time so I think that's really cool. I think that's obviously helping it a lot. But man, there is a tremendous amount of buzz on this album. I mean, it doesn't hurt that Metallica has the means to uh, really do this. You know, put put out essentially their own press. They are pressing their own records. They're you know like they 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 have the the means to really back this up 
where a lot of bands don't anymore. And I think it's a good thing to kind of show that this is a possibility that hopefully in the future, not just Metallica, but other bands will be able to do something similar. So, but we'll, you know, we'll just have to see with time. All right. All right. So let's go over the specs on this real quick. We all know who Metallica are. James Hetfield on rhythm guitar and vocals, Lars Ulrich on drums, Kirk Hammett on lead guitars, and Rob Trujillo on bass. 72 Seasons was recorded at HQ in San Rafael, California. It was released, like we said, April 14th, 2023 on Blackened Recordings, which is Metallica's own record label. And it was produced by Greg Fiddleman, along with James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich. All 12 songs have music videos as well as lyric videos for them. Although the 12th one in Amarada debuts tomorrow uh, at, at the time that we're recording this. Oh, okay. I, I've only seen the one music video. The, uh, the first one looks eternal. Looks eternal. They, they've, so I was, before we started recording, I was talking to Sklo and said, Hey, have you seen these videos? And he's like, no, I haven't seen it. Maybe a few seconds of one. And I just watched them all kind of before we started recording this. And I have to say there are two seriously bad videos Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yes, dude. I mean, the songs are good, but the videos are horrendous. Um, and now I, I want to watch. <laughs> oh, it, it's crazy to think about it. But, you know, like, so, of course, they did the same thing for, for Hardwired. They released videos for all 12 songs. Um, but they actually went out of their way to, to conceptualize most, if not all, 12 videos. This time, they they basically were performance videos for the most part. Um, except there was two fully animated videos. Okay. Um, then there's, I, I, I told Slow, this had to be an AI generated video. It was so fucking bad. <laughs> what, for which song? Um, for chasing light. All right. I'm going to have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, let me see what the other one was for. Um, yeah, chasing lights—the one that can cause epileptic seizures—and <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, too far gone. Oh my god, that is the one where it looks like AI generated. It is okay. terrible, 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 terrible. So, and you know, and I, and I'm, I am a Metallica apologist through and through. Okay, and even I have to say that those are fucking horrible videos. I mean, I, I, I would never, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I haven't even seen the lyric video, but I'm, I'm assuming the lyric video is better. <laughs> so our other debating metal alumni, Matt from Miami called me up the other day and he says, I just got the vinyl and I'm like, Oh, which one did you get? Which edition? And he's like, it's black. <laughs> so he just got the regular vinyl off of Amazon, which that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm like, Oh, mine's purple. You know, because I bought the indie record store version. Um, all those were purple. Um, mm. the, the the indie record store released. They, 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 those stores also got a black copy as well. Um, Walmart had a, a version of theirs. Target had a version. The band had a, a, another version. There was a limited edition that sold out in like an hour or less. Um, that was like yellow and black splatter. So there's all sorts of different vinyls out there. I ended up getting a vinyl and the CD because that's uh, my collection from Metallica is both complete on CD and vinyl. So that's what I felt like. Yeah. And uh, I probably uh, will buy this CD because I collect, I, I'm the same as I collect 
especially certain bands, I like to have all the releases. So I'm probably gonna do CD and vinyl. Um, so I, I I have I think all theirs on. Put this way, I have all their old stuff on vinyl. I don't have some of the newer stuff. Okay, well, real quick, the production to me, in my opinion, from what I've heard so far, is outstanding. Um, I thought Hardwire was great. I think this is even better production wise. Um, so with that said, why don't we just get into the songs right away? Chris, let's start it up. All right. Uh, so the album starts off with 72 seasons, the title track, um, man, it's, it's a good heavy opener. Uh, I would say for me as kind of a lapsed Metallica fan, um, James really reminded me here that he can be very poetic. Um, rivaling some of his writing in even the earlier days. Uh, the main riff is really strong, straightforward, while incorporating some cool transitions in the chorus. And again, into the solo at the five-minute mark. And with the, I, I actually really like this solo. I think it fits with the track very well. Um, that's not something I always say about Kirk, but I, I like his work here. And I especially like the harmony at the end of the third section of the solo. So there's the solo, and this happens a lot throughout the album. The solo is kind of broken into sections. And that third part, I think, is really just stands out to me. And it's just a solid opener. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I really like the chugging to the song. Um, to me, it has a little, you know, I'll probably refer to some songs like this, but it has a little hardwire vibe to it. Um, I think it's a really nice opening track uh, to start the song. I definitely dig it. Uh, and I, I feel like there's a lot of layers to this song in general, just all around. Um, and I really like, and I, I agree. I think it's a, it's an awesome opening track. And I was, I, you know, it's a song that I'll, I'll continue to listen to. I, I really, really enjoy it. When I was watching the video for it today, I, I realized that this is one of the two nights that they do on the weekend shows when they go on a tour, one of those two nights, is gonna, this is going to be the opener for the show. Um, it just absolutely must be, you know, they, they have that little intro. That's whatever, before it hits the snare drum and it goes and it kicks into the fast part of the song up to that point, I, I believe it's like under a minute um, or just under a minute. That's going to be the part where you, you're hearing it through the, through the audio system in the, at, at the concert and it's on tape and then all of a sudden they're going to go live explosions boom you know the crowd goes nuts show is show is is has begun so um that i like that part of it you know you know what song on every album is going to be like the album you know it's usually the first song you know battery uh blackened you know it wasn't that way with the black album and you know Although, no, that's not true. They even opened the beginning of the Black Tour with Enter Sandman because I remember James Hetfield saying, yeah, we got to get, you know, get past that shit and get to the real stuff, which is how they actually thought about the album at first, the Black Album. Anyway, um, I think there's a lot of things going on with this song. Um, Production-wise, like, there's effects on James's vocals that I don't think has been there since, since probably Garage Inc., you know, in, in the Bob rock days, he had gotten to that point where his vocals were so dry and they finally put some effects on it, some echo, some reverb, whatever. Um, and I agree with you, uh, Chris, about the, the solo. I love the part when it goes into the harmony with James. I think that's great. So I, I and, and I, did you guys notice the, when they changed keys right there somewhere towards about the, the middle part of the song? Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. So interesting how they, they just decided to do a key change right then and there, you know, and, and, and then they go, I said, they blend that into the, to the guitar solos and all of a sudden it's, you know, back to the way the song was. It's pretty, I, I like the song a lot. It's, it's a very good song. I mean, I I think that you said, you know, they, there's layers to the song and the, and I think that's, that's pretty much throughout everything here because there is such a, a level of um, trying to incorporate the lyrical content into the song. You know, they're, they're, it's not just straight up, you know, oh, we wrote a riff, here's some lyrics to apply to it. A lot of it's written around the lyrics, right? So, you know, this being about, you know, first 18 years of life and what you go through and trying to condense that down into a song, you know, that key change can easily represent something, you know, a shift in life. And, and I think there's a lot of thought in, put into every track on here in some, in some way related to that. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So I'm sorry. What was that? No, I, I agree as well. Okay. All right, cool. Song number two on the album is Shadows Follow. Uh, so this is another song that has that typical Metallica intro that has, you know, one riff and then it changes into another riff, which basically becomes the main riff. Um, so this is almost like, you know, a lot of these songs, because they're so long, that they have that beginning that can be used as a starter for a concert. So there's there's a lot of play with with some of these songs that you know when they go to tour they're going to change it up because they have to they're playing two completely different sets on on that entire weekend so that's that's going to be an interesting thing what they do with the second second set but this song uh man it's that riff it's got such a groove to it i mean it it's a killer riff to me um James sounds like he's screaming, but it's almost like a controlled screaming. I mean, his voice almost sounds like it's a sore throat. It, it sounds deeper and, and almost harsher than it normally does. But you know it's it's James. Um, the melody line on the vocals is fantastic. Um, chorus is simple, but extremely melodic to me. I mean, it's freaking catchy. You know, I mean, this is this may be my favorite song on the album. And then when it, you know, it breaks down at the three minute mark, uh, you know, has a, a little, little, uh, ode to metalcore, Chris, <laughs> there at three minutes. Um, but it's, it's a pretty cool, it's a good breakdown. I love that riff. Um, you know, and then, and then la- each chorus changes, you know, I think they, they, re- they do a chorus three times and each one is different. I think that's a pretty cool little thing that they do on this song as well. What do you got? So it's interesting to me how a riff can sound both sludgy and and like steady paced it's very odd but interesting um the lyrics are really relatable um you know anyone that wants to avoid life's problems addictions you know the dark elements that we deal with every day um you know i think that one of the strongest features is actually the chorus you know the doubled vocals uh you know just something a little different than what they've normally done. Uh, it's a pretty decent solo. I, I think the 72 season solo is a little better, but I like this one here too. And uh, there's an, kind of a, a, a throwback to Damage Case with that r- opening riff of Damage Case appearing throughout. And so there's these these nice little self-references throughout the whole album, uh, even recognizing some of the covers that they've done, as well as riffs from earlier songs or lyrical 
references to earlier songs. So this is one of the first cases throughout the album where you hear, oh, that's something they've done before. Yeah, I agree with you guys, and I agree uh, with you, Ken, that I, I ranked all these songs, to be honest, and, and I have this right there as number one for me right now. It could change tomorrow, right? Because I, I like a lot of these songs. Um, but yeah, I have it right there. It's probably my favorite song on the release. Uh, I love the main riff. I love the way the song grooves. Um, I love the interlude in this. It's great. Uh, and um, I love the solo, you know, right past the midpoint of the song. It, it, it has like a kill em all vibe to it. Um, and I, I just really dig the song in general. And it's, it's one I've been playing constantly over and over and i love the way james sings on it um it just it's a very it's a great song uh, it's it's one of my it's it's one that it's going to be in my rotation for a long time um to listen to and i and i can't wait to see it live because um, i assume they're going to try to play all these live and i can't wait to see that hopefully when i see them they're playing it live yeah the uh the chorus the, the way james sings on the chorus is really good like I yeah. said, that, that to me is what stands out and makes this song kind of like, you know, go from maybe like a seven to an eight or a nine, you know, having that kind of unique aspect to it. I, I really liked it. Cool. All right. Um, Skull, tell us about song number three. All right. Uh, song number three is Screaming Suicide. I think this is a very good, solid song all around. Um, I think it's a very punchy uh, with a lot of energy. You know, it starts kind of simple and it builds, you know, in that typical kind of Metallica style, you know, you kind of want more. Um, and, you know, Hetfield's got those deep vocals, that, you know, that come in and it really grabs uh, grabs your attention. Um, you know, and I think with, you know, we have, you know, then, you know, Kirk Solo comes in throughout it and like the second half, you know. Uh, as well, and I, I just I think overall it's a good song. I think you know obviously the topic of the topic of the song is something that is really you know we know it's a it's a touchy subject, but I think it's good that they're addressing it, and you know they've addressed it in past songs in the past like Cyanide and and things like that. And uh, I think you know it's good to hear that and have those lyrics. I even I think in there even with the release of the song, I don't know if you saw the video. I think you did you see the video for this one? Yeah, um, yeah, and I think they, they you know they put this a little note in there about. If you're having any issues, you know, the suicide prevention line, I think that's great that they're doing that. Um, and, you know, they've all, I actually read an article today about Lars and he mentioned how, you know, he, he was looking at some of the comments people were making on there. He was, he was getting really teary eyed and, you know, it made him really emotional looking at what people are writing and saying the song is very helpful and just people and people have gone through some things, family members. Um, but the song in general, though, I think it's a very, very solid song uh, and I do like it. Uh, I I agree with that. You know, it's it's definitely for for being a song on such a dark subject. It's it's very uplifting. So you know, uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit later too with Lux Eterna. But this song, you know, I, I had mentioned when I first heard it to to Chris that there's a when it goes into the chorus, it hits a major chord. Um, what whatever chord it is, I can't I I don't know because I'm not that good of a musician. <laughs> so to know if it's a G and A or B or whatever it might be. Um, but it's, I can tell it's a major chord cause it, it's, it, it has a positive vibe to it. And, um, that that's one of the things that's kind of like almost an oxymoron to this. Cause it's got such a, it is about such a dark subject, but at the same time, they're, they're bringing it to the forefront. 
you know, the band wants to bring this taboo word out into the open and make sure that if you have an issue, make sure you talk about it. find someone to talk to about it and get through it. Uh, and that's really cool. Um, as far as the, the, the actual physical song, I mean, there's hooks all over the song. Uh, I love it. The solo has its own melody line, which I think works really well throughout the track or during the solo um so there's to me there's a lot of really cool things with this song yeah so this is this is an interesting one to talk about for sure um i'm not i'm not much of a believer in a lot of the modern day lingo like saying unaliving and things like that uh i think it it does a disservice to you know people that actually go through a lot of things depression etc um but I'm, i'm glad that you know, it's so prominently out there the way he he talks about it in the song. Um, I it, to, to be honest, I didn't initially care for this track uh, as a single, but once I listened to it in context of the album, it actually really grew on me. And more listening to the lyrics uh, more intently made me kind of understand it. So there's there's something called masking that a lot of people do, where you know people dealing with depression will. Um, act like everything's okay and just go through life and don't want to inflict it on other people. And you, you don't know. So it's, it's, it's putting on a mask every day, walking out. And that's kind of what this song to me feels like it's talking about where, you know, you're cheery on the outside, but carrying something much deeper on the inside. And so I think a lot of people don't understand that they go like, Oh, you know, he had everything. He seemed so happy. Why did he give it all up? Because you can't always see what other, you know, what pain other people are dealing with. And then also, uh, Kirk says, wow, 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 at the end, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's not a bad track and it's really grown on. But I, I don't know if it's in my, you know, top five on the album, though. Fair enough. I mean, I totally understand that. Yeah. I, and one thing, one other thing I wanted to mention, Lars's drumming on this, I think, is pretty good. Um, the, I like the, um, the fact that he does that that double bass, you know, kick roll in between, uh, you know, in between the verses, I think that's a really nice touch to the drum pattern that he's using. Um, so there's there's a lot of details in each song that these guys do that sometimes gets lost in by the general public and they don't realize that. And and so the criticisms that they get, you know, it's like, man, if you actually paid attention and just didn't you know, let it skim over and, and play in the background, you'd actually understand this a lot better, but I'm not going to complain about that. All right. Uh, we're up to song number four. Track four is sleepwalk my life away. Uh, so it starts with a downturn down tuned disco opening that, uh, I felt like was going to go into, I was made for loving you. Uh, however, you know, I had the same thought the first time I heard that because I didn't hear it on the on the, on my car. I heard it in 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 the in the office, and I I stepped away from my desk, and all of a sudden I hear digga 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 digga. I'm like, what the hell? And I I started kind of humming a dan 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 in that long. <laughs> anyway, so it leads into a mid tempo kind of load like tune. So it's very reminiscent of of the first load album, not reload. Um, the song is kind of about the monotony of routine, 
Uh, I would say it's pretty relatable. Everyone who goes to work nine to five goes to the same job every day, does the same thing every day, eats the same food every day. Eh, it can be quite monotonous. Um, it's probably, to me, of the four tracks we've got to so far, it's the weakest. But think about it in context. Like It's a song about boredom. <laughs> that's kind of tough to pull off and i think they did for the most part pull it off really well in context of the album it sounds really good um this the only thing is to me the solo felt very disjointed as in like there's five very distinct thoughts that are kind of presented there whereas so i think some of the solos before flowed a, a bit better not saying it's bad just not necessarily my favorite Sklo, what do you think I actually dig it. It's actually, for me, it's one of my favorite songs on the album, to be honest. I, I, you know what? The first time I listened to it, I was there with uh, Chris. And then the more I listened to it, I, I liked it more for some reason. I, I think what really caught me, got me, is I love the intro with the bass-heavy riff from Rob. I, I love that, how it, I just love that, how it's coming in there. Um, and I really like how the pre-chorus is, is done in this song. Um, and uh, the riff towards the end of the song, I really like. So it kind of gets you you kind of back into it a little bit. Um, that's really what, again, it was one that I, when I first, the first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, that's okay. And then I liked it more and more as I listened to it. And, you know, and my orders of songs change all the time on this album. Like tonight, it's different than it was four hours ago. Um, it's just the way it is. But yeah, I do, I do like it. I like, I like the, you know, little, little bluesy stuff that um, Kirk does in it. Um, lyrics are fine. Like you said, it's about boredom, right? Lyrics are fine. Um, but overall, I, I, I definitely like the song. Um, it's probably in my top half uh, on the album that I like. All right. That's cool. I mean, the first thing that's obviously a, that, that you notice when you hear the song and it comes on is that bass riff. I mean, to me, it's unlike anything Metallica had done bass wise on any previous album. I mean, the closest to me that you can get with any of these bass riffs that open songs, you know, like devil's dance or my friend of misery, even the God that failed, but none of those are as fast as what, what Rob was playing here. Um, it has nothing to do with the stuff that Cliff Burton did. Cause he never really opened a song with a, a, a bay, you know, a chugging bass like that. Um, his, he was completely different, uh, artist and master of, of that of his base that you know orion was completely different kind of story but um this one just has got such a groove to it um but it, much like chris was saying there it's a song about boredom and at some point it loses me uh it, i don't really I, once the bass riff kind of just goes away and they get into it it just it doesn't really do much for me this is one of the few songs that i, I felt like it's just background music to some degree um i mean the chorus has some hook to it but for the most part um it's it's not as memorable as, as many of the other songs in the album that's fair enough yeah so from there we're gonna go to song number five which is you must burn with an exclamation point um another song for me that gives me that load and reload vibe um and at the same time, it also gives me the vibe of the middle part of Man Unkind from Hardwired. Uh, there's there's a lot of, you know, throwbacks to, to, to songs and, and parts of other albums, like you mentioned earlier, um, of other songs, excuse me. And so it is definitely, to me, this, this has one of those things where they, they picked and chose different parts from different songs in their past and kind of blended them in here. Um, 
this is what I would think is the heaviest song in the album uh, in terms of sludgy kind of, you know, sad but true kind of pace to it. But um, and around the, 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 the 342 mark, there's an instrumental part. It's, like, it's just like a heavy jam that leads into some really interesting gang vocals, uh, which is really not your typical Metallica type vocals or even background vocals. Uh, so that's a, that's a little cool touch to this song. Um, I think there's a, just a, a lot of experimentation that's going on throughout the entire album. And this one is, is one of the songs that highlights that. Yeah. I too noted that it was very similar to sad, but true. Like even the, the riff itself, um, it, it's a couple notes shy of sad, but true. Um, but it, it's heavier than that song even like that's it's hard to get that's... heavier to say but true too <laughs> for real um you know there's there's less guitar frills so it kind of feel feels a little bit more direct i guess in that way um so lyrically the song to, it has to be about gaslighting and like the like the the, the culture that we're seeing where you know somebody will t- will like you can say you know i you're you're doing something wrong and they'll be like, no, I'm not. And try to make you feel crazy. You know, we see it in the media. We see it in politics, even in our personal relationships, it's becoming more and more prevalent where you're made to feel crazy when you call out something that you see and you feel is wrong. And so like, there's that, that very strong aspect of this song that is, that is about that. And to me, like a lot of the lyrical content is really raising the songs up for me where maybe the riff is, is pretty good. It's like a, it's like an eight, but it'll take me to a nine when I'm, when I'm hearing, you know, the depth of what James is putting out here. Yeah. It's a song for me. I, it's one of the better riffs on the album. It's I mean, in general, the song it's, you know, it's got that doomy, heavy sludgy, which you, you said as well. And uh, that leads into like a great riff that i love um funny the interlude reminds me of like uh i know you guys are mentioning sad but true and some other things i like the interview reminds me of some type of early danzig like type groove like the danzig one and two albums it's something about it just reminded me of like that which i loved uh bringing it back there so i i that's that's my take on the song i mean i just i think overall it's it's a great song and i think you're right it's it's pretty heavy um and it's it's one that i keep listening to one thing I wanted to note too is uh, Rob's bass work towards the back end of the song. It's just downright badass. Uh, he uses some wah effects, you know, taken from his uh, predecessor, um, and he stretches out some of these notes. And it's, it's just so cool to be able to hear that in the background. Uh, there's some really good production, you know, that you can actually hear bass playing in, in, in a Metallica song. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and to to kind of carry on from what you were saying Sklo, where um you said you recognize some danzig in it i don't think they shied away from making references to other bands in this album there's going to be another one i talk about in a bit where um it's very obvious that they are referencing bands that they love as well as their own previous work so i can i can definitely see them um you know kind of referencing danzig in some sort of way there well, cool. Uh, Slow, what do you got next for, uh, what's the next song you got? Yeah, so the next song on the album is Lux Eterna. Um, first song that was released, I think it's the first song that all of us heard um, that, you know, our Metallica fans when it came out, and we're excited to hear it. Uh, for me, it's a total old school thrash 
vibe to it. It's heavy. It's fun. It's an exciting song. Really dig it. It's like, you know, it's a quick hitting banger. And I love the outro. I love how the outro, like it starts going out and then they bring it back in and then they do it again. And it ends the song. I love how they, how they do that. It's, 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 it's really, really great. Like a quick song. Um, but it has that old school again, new wave, British heavy metal vibe to it. Little kill them all in there. Um, as well. And I, I really, really like this song a lot. Um, it's one of my favorites on the album. Um, and I just, I think it's, it's good. What's going to be a good one to watch live. I, I thought this song should have been the album opener. Um, sort of like hardwired was for, for hardwired. Um, but I, I get it because 72 C after watching the video for 72 seasons, I realized why that's the opener of the album. So, you know, screw me about that one, but anyhow, <laughs> um, screw you. yeah, screw me. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, we were talking about how it, it's, you know, giving a little bit of nods here and there. So yes, there's the nod to the, the new wave of British heavy metal. Um, but to me, there's an ode to motorheads overkill song, um, uh, with the drum, the way Lars is playing the drums. Um, the riff is cool. Um, and I described this song. So when I was talking to Matt the other day about this song, I described the song very similar to what you said, Sklo, where it is, does these, you know, it, 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 it almost finishes and then it starts again. This is like a wrestling match, uh, in my opinion, where, you know, you start fast on a wrestling match. And then, you know, of course, matches have ebbs and flows where, you know, you're, you're, you're on the mat, you're trying to catch your breath. And, and so, you know, the band is playing these different parts and that they're, they're changing up throughout the song, you know, and then the, the slope, the, the solo represents the downspot of the match. And then the t- towards, you know, now all of a sudden they got the cue from the ref, they got to finish the, the, the match. So all of a sudden they're starting to put all their, their, uh, their spots into the, to the match. And, you know, and then you got a false finish one, two, you know, one, two false finish one, two false. finish, And then, uh, then the guy hits the finisher and then we get to the end of the song. And that's the way this song is to me. It's just like literally like a fast paced wrestling match. See, I, th- I think it's a pretty cool track. Um, Lux Eterna is Latin for eternal light. Um, James wanted to name the album Lux Eterna, but was vetoed by the other band, uh, band members, I should say, not the other band. Um, he, has, he has a whole so, bunch of bands. He has like eight bands. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, oh no, that's Phil, uh, Phil Anselmo. So, um, so uh, you know, I, I actually agree with the band on that call because the lyrical content of this, uh, this album is very dark and deep and Lux Eterna is kind of more the surface level, um, positive song, I guess is the way to put it. And it doesn't represent the rest of what's here. So I think that calling it 72 seasons, even the imagery of the album cover, you, you asked about that earlier, and that's what kind of why I wanted to hold on to it for here. Um, the imagery of the album cover matches the content of the album really well. And so calling it Lux Eterna, I think, would have been a huge mistake. Um, maybe not huge, but a mistake. Um, and I did like the Diamond Head reference in the song where he says, Lightning the Nation lightning the nation which is uh you know lightning to the nations so yep. pretty cool yeah that was cool that they did that i like that as well no that's very good all right chris what you got now number seven uh track seven is crown of barbed wire 
Uh, so this is another track that kind of takes us back to the load days, feeling really similar to King Nothing. It definitely feels like a sequel to King Nothing. Like the the content of the song is very excuse me, is very similar. It uh, feels even heavier than King Nothing did, and you know, um, it's if you like the load era, this is going to be one of the songs that I would say you're probably going to like the most. Um, the, you know, the, the, the idea again of them kind of like aping stuff from their own history is very prevalent here. And like, much like say the Unforgiven, the Unforgiven 2, I would say Crown, Crown of Barbed Wire is King Nothing 2. Hmm. I hadn't thought of that. Um, but I did get the load, the load and reload vibe, uh, that you got, uh, especially with the instrumental parts, you know, they're, the the instrumental parts of this song are better than the verses, in my opinion. And the, the chorus reminds me a lot of something off of Load Reload. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from from Lars's drum beat. I mean, he's playing his drum straight up. And that was a, a, definitely something he did, you know, between the Black Album and Load and Reload. He, he didn't have a lot of the fills. He didn't have a lot of the, the, the extra shit that he normally puts into a song. And he didn't have all any of the double bass drumming. Um, and the one thing, one little note I got from, from another song was uh, right at the beginning, I got a little bit of a halo on fire from Hardwipe vibe, uh, pretty quickly. I and mean, it kind of went away as soon as, it, as the song starts to groove. Um, what's your take on it? Sklo? I love this song. Um, absolutely. I think it's a monster of a song. I love, you mentioned it just now. I love Lars's drumming on this. Uh, a lot um it's you know it's got some great guitar work on it i just like how it stomps and and it goes it just gets you and i i love the way james sings the lyrics on this with the music and during the verse i just love i just love it it's 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 awesome um and i absolutely love the ending of this song it to me it's it's right up there for one of my favorites on the album i i look forward to this one as well as live um it's a great song. And what you guys all said too is, is some of the stuff I was thinking as well. It's, it's good. It's really good. Sounds good. It's right there. Yep. Yeah. All right. So song number eight, chasing light. All right. So on the intro, man, Rob and Lars are really, really tight. Uh, and then, you know, the main riff you know, speeds up the song and, it, and, and the main riff is what drives this track. Um, and then the verse pulls it back again. Uh, and then the pre-chorus speeds it up again. So there's a lot of up and down on this song. I, I like that, you know. Um, it, and then the chorus hits and it just begs for audience participation. I mean, that's that. this is going to definitely be one of those songs that I would think uh most people who are listening to this album are, are looking forward to concert wise because it's just it's going to bring everybody in in the stadiums they're going to be you know chanting this chorus um i don't necessarily think the shift in gears was necessary in the song uh even though it speeds back up when the solo begins um and and i think there's no reason to add those extra riffs and and time to the song but you know for for whatever it is that's what Metallica does nowadays. And so it's something that you've you almost not as a casual fan, but as someone who is a fan of Metallica, you've come to accept the casual fans is, is going to sit there and say, man, why can't this be like a two minutes shorter or something like that? Um, <laughs> but whatever, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. Um, I do like the song a lot. I mean, 
probably one of Kirk's most ripping solos on the album, um, that which I think is really cool. And the lyrics kind of hint back a little bit towards Dyer's Eve, um, talking about you know how adults ruin children, and so there's there's a little touch to that too. Um, what, what what's your what's your take on it? Um, so yeah, adults totally suck. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't get as much out of it as you did, as far as like I think it's it's not bad. Like I like the lyrics; they're totally relatable. You know, chasing your dreams will you know always lead to hardship setback but and you know sacrifices that you have to make you know without darkness there is no light you know without without uh, light there's no shadow right so there's these these principles we are forced to live by um and if you want to achieve things sometimes you're gonna have to leave people behind you're going to have to sacrifice relationships so it's a really relatable subject um you know i didn't even think about like how the crowd would would interact with that like chase that light lean on me you know i I, yeah you're right there it's gonna be one that people chant to just i didn't quite take it in that same way i guess so um maybe it's one i have to listen to more times i've given this like almost almost 10 listens to all the way through the album and it wasn't one that like really just stuck out to me but it i liked it in, in context of the album like we're eight tracks in and i'm still enjoying pretty much everything i'm hearing how about you school i agree with you in that, that assessment i i like it but uh not as much as ken and kind of in line with you i do like it though I, and i think it is i think you're right i think the chanting is something that you know when he says chase that light i, I hear this i hear this fan saying lean on me you know in the crowd and i think that's yeah, really absolutely. cool i mean I, I do think it is a good song um I, and I think it's one I'm the same as you. I listened probably ten times already the whole thing. Um, but I do. I mean, I do think it had some like you know some nice, fun, groovy tune to like tune with it with a little like classic metal in there. Um, I do think um, with you, Ken. The, I think Hammond has a great solo in this. Uh, oh, I wanted to say the beginning of it really has. It's funny you said Dire Eve because for me it has a Freight Ends of Sanity vibe in the beginning. How it comes in. Um, for me, uh, with with it there, which I do like a lot because I love that song. Um, so I do think when it is played live and and you get to those those parts, you're gonna it's gonna be a chanting song, absolutely. All right, so so we're up to song number nine, Sklo. That's your shot. Song number nine, we have "If Darkness Had a Son." Um, so this is one of the ones they in- they introduced early to us. Um, I mean, obviously the the opening riffs. You know, to me, you know, you have these spill out some, you know, dark emotions there, right? Um, getting some anxiety makes you uneasy. Uh, I love when he cries out like temptation. I lo- I just like that a lot. Um, it reminds me of some like, you know, like Master Puppets type moth, moth and flame uh, in the flame type vibe. Um, I really like the chorus in it. And it's funny I said, you know, those two, but I also felt like there was like a justice for all vibe to it. Love the outro to it. Um, you know, I think when, it, you know, and the, obviously the intro is a very long intro where they're, you know, the, you know, the drums are in and you hear the bass guitar and everything there. And I, I really like, you know, that's one of the ones that they came out with a video with them playing it like from their house. Um, I, I really dug it. Uh, when I first listened to it, honestly, I was like, oh, what's this? And then I started as I listened to the song more and more. Uh, I really enjoy this one, um, a lot uh, on the album. 
it, it, so it's weird. I, when I first heard it, I did not really like it. It was kind of one of these, oh, yeah, it's a long intro, blah, blah, blah. And it just, it's grown on me. It's really grown on me. Um, it's not the same subject, uh, but sonically and structurally, there's a lot of comparisons in my mind to Now That We're Dead from Hardwired. Um, you know, the, the Temptation chant and the driving drums. I mean, I see this going over really well with the audience in, in a live setting. Uh, the chorus is just... Got this crazy catchy hook. I mean, this is this is a cool song. I I didn't realize, and when I first heard it, I'm like, man, what is up with? Why is this? It, this song just wasn't doing it for me. And then all of a sudden, I kept listening to it, and it just totally, totally grabbed me. Um, and now, I mean, it's 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 up there. If it's not my favorite, like I know, you know, um, I mentioned earlier that um, Shadows Follow uh, is is probably my favorite song. It's it's between these two right now. Uh, because I've, I'm listening to this one like almost at least two, three times a day right now. And I just love it. Um, you know, the, the solo in this from Kirk is, is all about the song. It is such a really good and well thought out solo. And it's not about, you know, the style of notes and this, you know, it's not about where on the fretboard Kirk is playing. It's about the, the, the solo fitting the song. And he does this, absolutely perfect on this song um the chorus is emotional I, I you know i just there's so much to like about this and then that little part at the end with the whining guitars uh i've heard that noise before i don't remember who did it but um and maybe it was metallica and i just don't remember right now but they did it there and then they also did it on 72 seasons and it's it's it's, it's just in the background it's an extra layer in the background that sounds pretty cool so yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty basic track, but I would say it's it's what I the way I I wrote it was profoundly focused. Like yeah, it is it is focused on one subject matter, right? Um and that being our the, you know the product of temptation, product of our temptation, it can define us in really ugly ways. The protagonist of the song claims to bathe in the holy water starting fresh and new apart from past temptations you know that that can be autobiographical for james at this point you know um has dealt with with uh addiction problems in the past so you know it's it's something that i, I think a lot of people can really relate to um this was this was one that i didn't really like when i first heard it but it really did grow on me um it it i think in the context of the album it's really good like I probably won't go out of my way to listen to it very often, but um, so far, you know, again, we're nine tracks in and I feel like this album at this point is front to back. Like I'm, I'm enjoying it where I can, I don't have to skip a song. Very good. Very good. All right. So we are up to track 10, Too Far Gone, uh, you know, prominently borrowing a riff from Diamond Head Sucking My Love. Uh, this again summons back to the band's early days. Uh, this is another track that I feel like James stretching a bit with the choruses is a really strong point. His singing has come a long way. The I I am uh, was it tribulation? Is that the lyric? I'm trying to remember it right now. Um, yes, it's I I am tribulation. Um, see that line to me 
you know, makes the verse like he it, he's like, Ow. and it sounds like a crow. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool. Um, so I really like the harmony guitars in this track. Like that's something that I've I've always felt Metallica does really well, and they use it kind of sparingly. Um, luckily there's a, there's more than one instance, like there's three or four instances of that on this album. And I really enjoy it. Like to me, this stood out on a first listen as a song that like really drew me in. Yeah. I, uh, this is one that grew on me as well. The uh, first time I liked it. Um, and then it got better and better. I, I love the, I think the opening rift has the familiar old school, honestly, reminded me of like a no, re- no remorse uh, vibe. Uh, which I love. It's a great song. Um, I love James's. He's some great, just haunting vocals on this one. Um, and I feel like this execu- execution of the song has like an uplifting melody um, as well. Um, so I, I, I definitely, and I think the lyrics are great. Um, on Tribulation, I, I was thinking, funny you said that because I was thinking the same thing about that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a good, good solid song. Uh, and it's one I'll definitely continue to listen to. So it's funny that you guys said that, that, that the beginning of the song reminds you of older songs, but it's funny for me, um, the beginning of the song to me, it was almost like lifted straight off of Atlas rise, or at least the structure of it is, um, no, so it, those- for, for me, it wasn't the, the beginning of the song there. There's a riff in the song mm-hmm. that is straight out of sucking my love. Oh, okay. It's, it's kind of like more, I think it's about a minute in just the first time you hear it. So yes. Got and it. I hear the Atlas rise thing. Okay. So you do hear, all right, good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not going crazy. You're not alone. <laughs> Maybe I am. Um, the chorus killer, super catchy chorus. You know, it's another, you know, crowd pleaser type. Um, I agree with you on the, on the harmonized the solos, you know, that's really cool. Um, but man, all the solo breaks that Kirk does in here. I mean, it almost sounds like they just took, like leftover solos from kill them all. And they threw them in there. Cause he came up with that same, that biting guitar sound during these guitar solos uh, to the point where I'm like thinking they might have to give Mustaine some credit since he thinks that, you know, Kirk stole his guitar solos from the, in the first album. <laughs> so, you know, um, but he didn't I, steal them. He exactly copied them. He did not exactly <laughs> copy them. You're right. They weren't quite as good. <laughs> um, I like how at the end of the song though they 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 do a little stylistic change you know they, they change the beat around a little bit um in between the main riffs you know that I thought that was pretty cool um where is it the, right after they they sang the the chorus uh twice they changed it dun 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 it's it's super cool I love the way they 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 played out the song it's short enough that it it probably get squeezed into the concert you know it's only 4 minutes so it's a it's a pretty cool cool track so so that that riff i'm talking about starts at the 22nd mark so ah, okay it, yeah it's that oh okay i got you i know yeah. what you're talking about cool all right so track 11 uh room for mirrors so this song totally gave off lords of summer vibes to me um just just the the i guess the pattern you know, maybe not the riffs and stuff like that, but the pattern, the way the way they, they laid out the song, um, and basically the main riff kind of kind of helped that along. Uh, but there's also some similarities, especially in the structure. 
verses on this song very melodic. I love the way these verses are laid out and, and the way they're sung by, by James. I mean, I read one review where they would, or it was read or heard. I think I heard today. And they're saying that James' vocals sound tired and he's not very creative with the lyrics. And I'm like, what the fuck album are you listening to? Did they give you, did they slip you something that you don't fucking know? Because you're, it's like you're listening to something completely different than everybody else. And I'm like, some of these reviewers are just absolutely like fucking clueless. You know, I and I know I'm a bitch these days. So. You know, but what's funny is like, you know, so I'm saying to myself, well, who gave this fucking guy a microphone? And I'm like, it's probably the same guy who gave us microphones. <laughs> you know, we're just, just something different between an objective review where you're trying to find the good and the bad. And then some people just want to tear everything down. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm so over it. Oh, I know. So anyway, um, the, the harmony part during the second guitar solo is it's right around the 337 mark. That is really, really cool. Um, so I, there's a lot to like about this song. There really is. I kind of thought it was similar to My Apocalypse. So it's funny how we're all finding something from a different song on some of these occasions. And then you think about it with what the other person said, and you go, oh, yeah, I can see that too. So it really means they did kind of like analyze their catalog and, you know, find some way to execute something new while referencing the old. So, um, you know, this is the honestly, though, this is the first track that like I'm listening to this album and something about the mix kind of threw me off a little bit. And it was honestly, it's the bass drum. When I'm listening to it, I feel like it's a little too punchy. And there's something about it that just sonically like bothers my ear when I'm listening to it, like with headphones or directly in front of me. And so this is the only track I'm listening to in the whole album where I'm like, mm, it's all right. Like I can, I can skip it, but I don't have to, but something about it. Like it's not, it's not the song itself, but it's the mix that's kind of bothering me a little bit. Um, you know, lyrically, I think it fits really well with the album. And there's a really good solo. Like, it's short, but it's sweet. And I've, I think it fits really well. So, um, again, not really the song that is bothering me, but something about the way that the, the drums come off, where every other song I enjoyed a lot more. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree again with Chris. Uh, I it's one of the it's song. It's the only song on the album that I'm like, just like you said, I could skip it. It's not. It's it's probably my least favorite song on the album. Uh, to be honest, uh, I mean, I think it's a good song though. It just you know uh, the album. I just feel like it's just not my favorite. I do like the solo. Like you said, it is quick. It's fast. Um, I definitely like the solo. It's probably the favorite. My most favorite part of the song. Um, but other than that, it, it's. You know, I don't want to say it's an album filler, but it, to me, it's one that I'm, you know, I'll listen to it, but it's not the one I'm going to, um, you know, on a daily basis or whenever. But, you know, if the album's on, I'm going to let it play and I'll, you know, maybe I'll get into it. Exactly. More, but, yeah. but for me, it's not. It's the one song on the album. I'm like, eh, it's OK. That solo is really good, though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That makes that makes it this, that, that makes the song a little for me like better. Tolerable. <laughs> I like the song. Uh, I, I like it. it, but it's not. I've heard better. That's all. Hey, from Metallica. All right. So wrap it up. Slow. In a I love this song. 
their longest song in their catalog to date. Um, I love it that it has a lot of layers. It's got doom. It's got sludge. It's progressive. Um, I feel like it pulls from a lot of different areas and influences. I know we've been talking about some influences throughout this whole thing, uh, especially that middle part. I love the. I mean, I love the beat first like four or five minutes a lot, and then I love how it like. It goes down, it's quiet, and you hear like that Sabbath vibe. I love it. And then I love how it builds back up. And the last four or five minutes of the song, after that interlude piece in the middle there, it just rips. I, I, I just love, I love songs that will, you know, get you going, and then it kind of, it breaks down in the middle, quiet, and then it comes back. And then I love the outro and the outro solo at the end of the song. This is definitely one of my favorites on, on the record, hands down. And I love long songs, and I I look forward, and I hope they do play this live. I um, when we uh, when I see them, and I hope they play you know the whole song, which I think they will when they play it. Um, so you're looking to, you're looking for them to play the whole album live. I just like I like oh not room. <laughs> I mean that's that's fair. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that room of mirrors, um, but uh, you know I am going to two shows, so I'm hoping I get you know some of these songs, and I think they're excited to play play a lot of these songs so put it this way and, I, and i'll just say real quick like you know other albums they've put out you know i'm like okay but like this album the production was great and i i feel like i all these songs will sound great live and i thought they did a great job with this album so fair enough i i, I th so i'm going to have to go out on a limb here you know this here's a here's a uh a kenneth dean hot take i don't think this song is as good as everyone thinks it is I don't know why. Mm. Um, I mean, there's there's good parts about it. Um, it gives me a a, a load reload vibe. Um, I I do like that little interlude part in the middle. Um, it reminds me a, a lot of Unforgiven Three when he starts going into, you know, forgive me, forgive me not. You know, and goes back and forth. He does the same thing. He says the same line, but he only says it once in this song. Um, and he's done that a couple of times. You know, he, he used the, the line broken, beaten, scarred somewhere throughout this album. Um, the song is very driving and it's very consistent. There's a lot of, you know, cool solos in the, in the song. I don't know what it is. And maybe it's just because it is so consistent that it almost gets monotonous to me. Even, even with that interlude part that, the the flip side to all that is those 11 minutes and 10 seconds go by extremely fast it's so it doesn't drone on it doesn't get boring but for whatever reason because it's so consistent in my opinion that's maybe where it loses me i don't know but it's not a it's not a horrible song by any means but for some reason it just it's not grabbing me so Again, this is one that, that nods to the past with my friend and misery being the most obvious. Um, misery. I can relate to this song with all of my past relationships being toxic and um, <laughs> focused on the wrong things. Um, so, you know, it's slow, bluesy, heavy. And while it's a long track, I would say it has a lot of layers that keep it fresh. Um, Kirk really executes some bluesy guitar well, and in the transition from the solo to the chorus 
and after the midpoint like there's there's these transitions that he does that just sound great uh the harmony guitars absolutely welcome um just sound awesome um i gotta say kenneth you're you're wrong you know there's no <laughs> right there's no right and wrong here absolutely wrong, wrong. um <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that there's two different versions of the chorus so like he has a, a heavier version and then there's a softer version of the chorus and they're very juxtaposed like kind of telling a story within a story um might be the best track on the album man i i hear that so much and i just don't get that hey it's okay to have an opinion that's wrong there i i know and you guys are <laughs> right there with it you know <laughs> i don't I, I don't know you know it like i said i hear it I listen to it, you know, and it flies by. I mean, like I said, fastest 11 minutes I'll ever spend listening to a song. But it just, it's, I don't know, dude. I don't, this whole thing, like I've heard it over and over and over again. Review after review, all the positive reviews, by the way. All, review after review has been saying, this is probably Metallica's best song. Metallica's best song. I'm like, are, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, like I don't know if it's their best song, but on well, the they said, album. They said the best song on the album. And I'm like, uh, really? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that, but Hey, there have been a few reviews that said that this is the best song in their catalog, which I'm like, you're fucking nuts. But, um, it's so cleverly layered. Yes. And, that's what and, I love. And so James is telling a story that is, you know, basically about a, a past lover and their effect on him. And that it may not even be literal, like a, a, a past lover could be anything, something that's that's pulling you back. That's not it could be healthy, one of his addictions. Right? I mean, it could be addiction. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Like, and, and it applies to anybody who has something like that that has been in their past that that might not be good for them, but draws them back and says, man, I, I you know, even though this isn't what drives me forward every day, for some reason, I keep coming back to this. And so, like, there is that level of the lyrics, which lyrics aren't everything, right? But the way that the song itself is incorporated into those lyrics, the way that it starts off in one way, it, it gets softer. It harkens back to the first part of the song with the chorus being an altered version of the chorus throughout it. You know, the, the, the transitions from this place to this place throughout the song, like from, from bridge to chorus to, you know everything is is thought out in a way like i get why they took two years to write this album or not necessarily to write this album to record this album you know with with writing starting before that like where i think there was a lot more thought put into this than there had been since you know albums long gone at this point so when i listened to this you know you had told me something about like there was this hype behind this song and I tried not to listen to anything. Like I, I, I really only listened to any of the solo or singles like one time, maybe, maybe a couple times before listening to the album because I wanted to treat it as an album. And, you know, when I heard this song, my first listen, I was like, there's something here. There's something that I, I really liked. Let me listen to it again. And I really focused on the lyrics and the way they interacted with the song and every listen that I, that I gave it, you know, with my undivided attention, I liked it more and more and more and more each time. 
And I can't say that I felt that about a Metallica song in a really long time. Like, you know, I'm a fan. I like them. I, there's a lot of songs. I mean, I, I stuck with them through everything. Um, no, I remember, you dropped on St. Anger, my man. You dropped them on I've, St. Anger. I bought St. Anger day one. <laughs> and it so made me I. sad. Um, <laughs> so, um but I've but I've never stopped listening to them. I've always given them a chance. I never said, "Oh, I'm not a Metallica fan anymore." I just my they, I didn't have that same interest anymore. But something about this album, like I'll be honest, like I'm listening to it and I'm like, "This is the best thing they've put out since the Black Album." I agree. Wow, I agree, hundred percent. I had a conversation with my son today at college, and he was saying that he still likes Death Magnetic more, and I love Death Magnetic, but I thinks this is their best album since black album i think i do 100 percent ails in comparison to this yeah i agree and and i agree with you about the song i know we're this we're probably this is the longest discussion we've had about a song but i agree with you i what makes it great for me ken is a good song into a great song is that interlude in the middle and ending of the song and how the chorus changes and and then the build-up it has and like you said, I think you said it best. It goes by so fast. And I feel like if a song goes by so fast, it's 11 minutes, like, man, you, you, you're really entrenched in that song. And, you know, you're so deep into it that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's over already. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, it's not that. boring by yeah. any means. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe, maybe it's the way, like, you know, normally I listen to my music on the way home um, from work or on the way to work. Sometimes I get interrupted. Sometimes I don't. It's very hard for me to... Um, listen to stuff once I get home, uh, unless I sit there and say, Hey, I, I need to take a few minutes to do something, but I hardly ever do that. So, um, maybe if I have not had enough, we analyze it. Cause I've, I've listened to the album beginning to end a couple times, but maybe it's just this one song because it's so long that I I'm, I'm just assuming some, something about it that I shouldn't be. So I'll give it another shot. I'm I'm never one to sit there and say no because and not every every song is going to appeal to everybody in the same way. But oh, yeah. there are, there are certain songs that you go there's there's something here and there's a reason why everybody else is kind of gravitating towards it as well. So um you know, give it a second listen, third, fourth listen, you know, whatever it, it, whatever you can do to kind of give it your undivided attention and maybe you'll absorb it in a different way. And if it works for you, great. If it, if it doesn't, you know, there's 11 other songs here that you really like. So. <laughs> okay. So we've, we've gone through 12 songs. All right. And, and we've already kind of touched upon, you know, the opinion of the album. You guys mentioned about the fact that it's the best thing that they've put out since the black album. Right. So I've, I, you know, I thought about load and reload. I thought about uh, Saint Anger. I thought about Death Magnetic. I thought about um, Hardwired. And you know, so you sit there and say, "Okay, we've just analyzed these twelve tracks, and and quite frankly, none of the twelve tracks are boring by any means." Um, there were some spots in Hardwired where it loses you, especially on disc two. Um, that that that's the criticism I've heard a lot. Yeah, um, there's, there's songs it's a bit on, long of an album, to be honest. Funny, it's a bit long. It's, it's actually shorter than this one. <laughs> or no, what I mean no, about that is, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I looked up the times and stuff like that. This this one is actually uh, 
72 seasons is, I think, 15 seconds shorter than uh, than Hardwired to Self-Destruct. So it's kind of weird. There's a lot of criticism about how long the songs are. I get that. You're you're saying it's long just because some songs are boring. It drags, yeah. Right. Yeah, drags. I agree. And so it feels long, and that's that's the difference. Right. It feels long, which yeah. which is a testament to Inamorata because it's an 11-minute song that ends the album that it it doesn't feel like it just went on for 11 minutes so i i I mean i think it's a fantastic album i cannot stand when i'm reading reviews or i'm listening to reviews from people or reading comments like you and i chris were talking about the comments you know when the album was released last friday that people like oh it's just another album i'm gonna put in my shelf so obviously they bought it but they don't want to listen to it. Then there's people who buy it, listen to it and don't want to even give it a second chance. You know, I I've, I'm trying to think what it is from people that they're expecting. Like, I, I mean, if they're expecting kill them all, if they're expecting ride the lightning or master puppets, they're sadly mistaken. So, so what is it that people are expecting? I, I think I'll just go real quick. I think that's just it. I think people have like, look, when, when Load came out, I expected something, right? And I was a little younger then, and I was very disappointed. And and then Reload came out, I was even more disappointed. So, and then Saint Anger came out, right? So <laughs> it just goes on and on and on, right? So, but you know, but I was younger then, and now you know I've grown and, I, and matured in the last fifteen years, and you know, and Death Magnetic came out, and I'm like man, they came, they're back. You know, I was really excited. And even hardwired, I agree with you. It's a little lazy. It's just you know, it, gets, it drags on, but it's good. I mean, it's good. And then just hearing this one, like I think it's just a problem. People don't give it a chance. They really are thinking like they're going to get Master of Puppets again, and they want Master of Puppets. And I think you just have to have your expectations not as high. Like, don't put them on this pedestal, right? I mean, they're Metallica. We know who they are. Like, they're the greatest metal band of all time, and you got to think of mind. These guys are late 50s, 60s, right? I think Kirk's the oldest, and he just turned 60 recently. Kirk's the um, youngest, actually. Kirk's youngest. Oh, I'm sorry, Kirk's the youngest. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, he's Kirk's the youngest. But he's like, I think he just turned, he turned Kirk's 60. Wrong. Yeah, he just turned he 60. Born, so. He was born in 63. The other guy yeah. was born in 62. Yeah, so he's the youngest, and they all now they're over they're 60. I'm sorry, that's what I meant to say. And so, so with that, these guys are rocking. They're in their 60s, and they're still putting out great music, man. Like, and this album, I'm not gonna lie, when I listened to it and put it on, I was like, wow, this really is awesome. Like I I I fell in love with it, kept listening to it, uh, and I'm still listening to it. And I thought the production was great, because you mentioned it earlier. And I think at his age, James's voice is great. I think he sounds phenomenal. And you know, Lars gets beat up for how he drums, and you know, and I get, get, get tired of that. And you know, I saw one review about Luxie Turner, how Kirk's solo is lazy. And this one guy like did a video on how he would have done the solo. I'm like, all right, dude, like just chill out. Like, you know what? Like, Kirk could do any solo he wants there. Let's let's be honest. And he did what he thought he needed to do for the song. Like, I, I just think that some people just just have to crap on them a lot on stuff. And it and it gets tiring to hear, to be honest. Um, so that's my take. I just think people just there's just I can't give you a straight answer, Ken, like why, but I think that's some of the reasons why uh, i mean 
honestly, we look look at the media these days. It's extremely toxic. Um, we look at um, just people want to be clever. People want to be witty. They all want to say something funny and at the expense of like the actual material. And so we're getting like, I, I hate to say it. It's like a Simpsons culture where everybody has to have some witty, sarcastic comment. And at that point, that from me. <laughs> there you go. See, like exactly. You prove my point. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's, that's the thing is like, where do we draw the line and say like, you know, I just want to, I just want an honest opinion. I want to hear what people think of this. And, um, then there's the aspect of, you know, who's paying for the review. So like, this is something that's really bad in video game culture where a video game will get destroyed by the, 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 the media that's out there that reviews things because they didn't pay for a good review. So I don't even know what to think about reviews anymore. I just listen to people that I trust and that I think about, uh, you know, that, that are true fans or can be objective and really give you their honest opinion. And that's what we try to do here all the time. So, um, you know, I, I think it's just one of those things we need to like, I think Facebook culture is one of those things that where everybody thought, you know, everybody wants to know my opinion all the time. Here's what I ate for lunch. Here's what I'm doing six minutes from now. What did I, you know, I, I just don't care. So, um, you know, we don't have to listen to all these people. And if we don't give these, these major reviewers as much attention, um, then, then they have no power. So I think this is a great album. Um, you know, for me to say that, I think, you know how I feel about it, Kenneth. Um, <laughs> because, like I said, I'm a, I have been a lapsed Metallica fan, but I never with or, I never discount that a band can put out a great album at any given time. I like Hardware to just self destruct. I think for the most part, there's a lot of tracks I really like on there. Um, it, a good sixty percent, I think, is a really good album. I think, and I, I'm listening here on 72 seasons this is a front to back album for me like i just i i don't think in context of the album you put it on i don't think like you need to stop it or skip anything from beginning to end i think you can listen to it from track one to 12 and enjoy yourself well fair enough hey look i you know we we are technically now part of the media by by us doing something similar to to what everyone else is doing um <clears throat> however um, when so I was feel, looking at the feel reviews, free to pay for your review here. No, exactly. That's the thing. I, <laughs> like the reviews I'm, I was reading were just, you know, YouTubers or, or some, you know, or, or just some guy. I don't know how well known these people are as far as influencers are, are concerned. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't, you know, I don't pay attention to any of that shit. You know, that might be the one level of things or you, people can call me a boomer and I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. But you know, I'm very proud Gen Xer and I'm going to remain that way, but it, it's just so so weird to see some of these people like the the comments that i read you know and it's like you said they're on facebook they don't matter i i just i laugh it all off and i just find it so amusing that some of these people will go out of their way to sit there and say oh it's a hot it's a hot pile of dog shit you know and i'm like what are you expecting and, and then of course you and i talked about it oh the new overkill album's awesome it's great you know and i'm like i like i told you 
I, I was working on my car this past weekend and I put both albums on and my wife was outside with me, you know, just kind of hanging out, keeping me company. And I listened to the whole metallic album. I'm like, man, this just sounds great. It's awesome. I even see my wife tapping her leg to, to some of the songs overkill. I put that on. And after six songs, I was like, Oh my God, this is fucking pounding my head. And I wasn't, you know, I didn't even have headphones on. I was like, this is just so it's so one pace to, to, to for the most part that it, it was unlistenable after like the seventh or eighth song. And not to say that the songs are bad. I just, I couldn't differentiate one song from the next because I wasn't really paying attention, but I'm like sitting there going, man, this is just like a barrage. And for some people, that's great. I like a little bit of variety from beginning to end on an album, because then that means it's just, there's, there is variety. Mm -hmm. um, Metallica are a, just a, just a different beast. They are a different kind of metal band than everyone thinks they are. You know, they keep getting labeled thrash. They haven't been thrashed since, you know, the Black Album. I'll give it that far. I've said it. They haven't been thrashed since Master of Puppets. But, you know, let's give it, you know, they haven't been a thrash band since since the Black Album, you know. And this this album, Hardwire, yeah, they get elements of, of speed. They get elements of that. They play the thrash, you know, Lars plays the thrash drum beat. Okay, he's the master of that. I could tell you that much because he uses it all the time. You know, it's either that or the Phil Rudd, one of the two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's it's one of those things where it's like people are just saying things just to say things. And uh, for what it's worth, you know, I don't pay attention to any of that. I just find it mind boggling. Uh, Sklo, nine uh, out of one to ten, what do you give this album? Wow. Right to me, huh? Yep. I mean, I give it a, I give it a solid nine. I do. Again, Room of Mirrors is the only one I really don't love, but I still like it. Um, and you know, I'm not comparing it, to, and I'm not comparing my ranking to any other Metallica album. But I, I give it a nine because I think you said it best, Chris, and I was going to say it earlier. Is it's an album that I like, Death Magnetic and Hardwired. You know, I'll go back to once in a while and put it on, but I don't. But this one, I feel like I'm going to keep putting it on through the next years to come. And to me, that's a big thing because I, I do that with the, all the old Metallica albums. So I'm going to give it a 9.1. .1. All right. Chris? Um, so let's think about this. So of, of the 12 tracks, I would say there's six or seven that I will go out of my way to listen to probably at some point. Um. And then the rest I do enjoy. Um, I think that it's mixed really well, so that's weighed into it. Like the 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 production is fantastic. I think that's something they've been honing since, uh, since um, what's the name of the album? Jeez, Death Magnetic or Death Hardware? Magnetic? Yeah. So it's a sound that they've been honing since Death Magnetic, and you know, obviously Death Magnetic had its issues with the the mix. You know, sounding just very uh what's the word um um oh, like overproduced it's overproduced. It, wasn't even overproduced it was just it was they pushed it they pushed they the, pushed the, it the, too high the needles yeah. way too high yeah and then they they got it better with hardwired and now i think they've kind of found that sound that who knows you know how many albums they're going to put out in the future we'll see um, but yeah, I, re I really like the production here. So, 
you know, overall, I think for me, it's a 7.5. Okay, fair enough. I, coming from you, that, that sounds fair. <laughs> um, I give it a nine myself. You know, like I probably, it's, it's funny, you know, we, we, you know, slow and I are going to give it a nine. You're going to give it a 7.5, right? And, and we can come back to this maybe a year from now and say, okay, what do we think? Because if you would have asked me this about hardwired uh, last year or, or last year, my ass, seven years ago, <laughs> <laughs> last um, year. <laughs> if you would ask me this seven years ago when, when hardwired came out, I mean, hardwired to that point was the best album since the black album. You know, right? you know, because it to me it was better than Death Magnetic. Um, production wise, it's the best thing since Load and Reload because it has a very similar sound. But it was funny. I put Hardwired on the other day, and then I listened to this one right at you know immediately after, and I'm like, wow, this sounds even better. I was really surprised, and the bass cuts through. The, I agree with you. The, the the bass drum on Lars is, is punches a little bit too much. And I thought he did the same thing in Hardwired, so it is a big similarity there. It it but, only bothered me in one song, so it's not. I, like, I noticed it the whole album. So yeah, it, it's a little punchy, but it's it wasn't. There was something specifically about that one where it actually was bothering my ear. Like mm. that's that's what really alerted me to it was, even though it was a little punchy and maybe a little bit too much, it it was fine. Like and then the room for mirrors or room of mirrors hit, and there was something about the actual mix where I went, mm, you know, like this is, something's off here. Um, and and you know, like you said, like how are you gonna feel about it in a year? I don't know. Like I'm always a little bit more apprehensive when I first listen to an album. Like I need it to soak in. I gave this as many listens as I could, and you know, just this amount of time, um, and. You know, I'm not as big of a, a fan of the reload era of the band, like per se. Like I I like a lot of the stuff there, but it just, you know, it doesn't appeal to me in the same way. You know me, I, I like the heavier, you know, I like death metal. So like for me, like this is easily like a 7.5. It's kind of teetering for me on the, to an eight, but like, I can't just say that. Like I have to be as uh, honest as possible. So and maybe in a year it'll it'll you know work its way up higher. Who knows? All right. Well, we're gonna take that and we're gonna run with that one. All right. Well, that is our review of seventy-two seasons from Metallica. So now we're going to have our big four songs that Metallica have covered. And as our special guest, Slow, you get to go first on this one tonight. Why am I always first on these things, man? Because you're the special guest. Come on, killing <laughs> me. <laughs> you haven't been tough, sure. man. I because I have, oh man. Can I give you my two honorable mentions? Can I let on this? Those is that fair? Can I do that? You know, we're gonna go ahead and let that. it slide since this is your first big four. This is the only time we'll allow it because <laughs> I, I tried that and it shot me down after the second episode. <laughs> I had a really hard time here with these. I have six and I just so hard to. I'm actually like right now thinking about putting one in the four while I'm like sitting here looking at the list. It's <laughs> seriously, I'm not even joking. I've done that. I've changed my list based on the conversation we've had. Doing all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually doing it right now. All right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so, all right. So Let you said four. I can do it. I'm just going to say my own mentions. I appreciate you guys allowing me to do that. 
So I'm not gonna really give an explanation on the songs. I'm just gonna tell you I love you know these are songs that I love and you know go through it. Um, so my honorable mention, my two I just I I couldn't put on there, but I wanted to is Remember Tomorrow, which is Iron, Iron Maiden original, and uh, Bread Fan from Bungie. Uh, those two uh, I really love, and um, you know whatever. So my number four is Astronomy, originally done by Blue Oyster Cult. Um, are we supposed to explain why anything can or at all? You or can. Just, okay. Just, just, I mean, a little thing. I just, I love how this song, it, it starts off kind of slow and then it, it, I just love the chords. I mean, the verse in the song, how, hey, dun, 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 dun. I just love that. And it just, and it's love. And then it's weird when you hear the original, it's totally different the way it sounds, right? You know, but um, I just love how it just kind of chugs along and goes through. And I've been putting it on like the last few days. So I was listening to a lot of them just to kind of, refresh with something I haven't heard in a while. And I was like, man, I really love astronomy. And I've always, it's one that's always like brought me, brought me in. So I love that one. Number three is The Weight, originally done by Killing Joke. Um, I don't know. When I first bought Garage Days and I put it on, I love, I love all the songs on there. But when Weight, when I first heard Weight, I was like, man, I really love this and the way that's done and the version of it. I really didn't know the Killing Joke version before. And FYI, it's funny. I saw Killing Joke open up for Tool recently, and they played the weight, and it was totally, it's totally different. But it was just funny to hear the original band play it when I've known it as Metallica's song, basically, <laughs> since it's been out. Um, number two is Blitzkrieg by Blitzkrieg, um, and I'm just gonna say number one uh, is Am I Evil by Diamond Head, um, which is funny because both those songs were on the Kill 'Em All, you know, album. The extended, you know, the remastered or the extended version. Um, and they're the first two covers I really heard from Metallica back when I was how old I was back then. And they really just stuck to me. I mean, Am I Evil, just the riff, the beginning riff in that is just, it's just awesome. I, I remember when I saw Metallica for the first time live in 89 at the Spectrum and Queens Right Open for them too, by the way, Ken, and at that show. And uh, I just remember when Am I Evil came on, and me, my brother, and like three friends. I just remember it's like it's still like the image of just like banging our head to it, like when it came on, and we're like, oh my god, Am I Evil? They're playing it, and they played the whole thing. Um, so I, I just love them all. I, I love all six of those, but the four I'll say again: Astronomy, Voice to Cult, The Weight, Killing Joke, Blitzkrieg from Blitzkrieg, and Am I Evil, a Diamond Head are my four. Good choice. That sounds good. Yeah. I like it. Thank you. Like Thank you. It. Thank you. Very good. You want to go or you want me to go? You're going to go. I'm going to go. <laughs> All right. Just tell me to go. All right. So <clears throat> I don't have any honorable mentions because Chris, Chris will smack <laughs> in the hand. <laughs> but I could, I could list off a whole bunch if I had to. Oh, I can do All, right. <laughs> All right. So my number four. So this this has a lot to do. All these these four songs have a lot to do with my attitude in general. <laughs> so you know I can be um, abrasive at times. So this song <laughs> number four uh, really is is about as abrasive as a song as you can get. Uh, so what which was from the Anti-Nowhere League, a punk band from England. Uh, it was on the B-side of Sad But True. Um, when I first heard this, I I went apeshit thinking this was the coolest freaking song out there. I'm like, yes, a song all about me. <laughs> so fucking what? I loved it. Um, 
and then today I was I was looking at my list and I had a song here in the number three spot and I took it out because <clears throat> I really didn't feel it as my number three. And then I thought about something. I said, oh, let me look at some some of the singles that they've released, some of the covers that they've had. And all of a sudden I saw this track and I said, oh, wait a second. I really dig this. When a Blind Man Cries, uh, their cover of Deep Purple from the re machine the tribute to Deep Purple's Machine Head. I love this song. James's version, the way he sings it, is, I think, to me, more haunting than Ian Gillen in this song. And it, it's just incredible. This this song is so emotional. I It, it means so much to me. Number two was uh, one of Sklo's honorable mentions, Bread Fan, uh, which is the B-side to Harvester of Sorrow. Um, and that's from Budgie. Uh, you listen to the original and it's like, wow, did, how did they like this to begin with? You know, but it's it's still a cool song. Um, but yeah, they, they they took some liberties and took some parts out and and that that's a good thing. And even the parts that they left in, they don't even play those in concert. Um, they that, that little slow part in the middle, they took that they took that part out and they, they just go straight back to the main riff. And number one for me, uh is several songs it's a medley mm. and the metallica has done two medleys um but this one is not chris k's favorite it is merciful fate <laughs> i love this medley i i think this is just outstanding um the work that he did on it, the guitar work the, the sound the production everything um it is a medley of merciful fate songs um satan's fall Curse of the Pharaohs, A Corpse Without a Soul, Into the Coven, and Evil. And this was on Garage Inc. This is, to me, my favorite cover that they've done. So interesting. We all have four, all eight, eight different covers right so far. Well, right? be prepared. Uh, here we go. But that's a great <laughs> list, by the way, Ken. I, I, I love all four of those. So that's, that's great. All right. So my list might shock. Here we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> four songs by Metallica. Number four might shock you. Um, so uh, my number four is Turn the Page, the cover of Bob Seger song. Um, I like That's a great cover. I, I like Bob Seger a lot. And uh, this particular cover, I really like. It's a different take on the song. They have turned it into their own version, especially like I, I really love what they did here. And I know it's not the heaviest song, but it's, it's awesome. <clears throat> My number three is Stone Cold Crazy from Queen. Um, this is the song that got me into Queen, even more so than, say, uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody from, from Wayne's World. Like, I heard this when I was a kid. I thought it was absolutely awesome. Got the Queen greatest hits. Like, uh, got me into the band. So, I mean, huge, huge song. Um, my number two is Whiskey in the Jar by Tin Lizzy. Um, yeah, awesome version of it. Something about just the way it was done, like that old kind of Irish uh, uh, drinking song sound to it. I just, I really like it. It was one that always stuck with me. Uh, still to this day, just gets stuck in my head from time to time. Like I'll just kind of hum the song out of nowhere. And then my number one is Die Die My Darling from Misfits. Um, that era of Misfits I really like. And that particular song, something about it, just, it's just awesome. Um, their version of it is even just like more punchy, like just awesome. Like at the attack on it, so cool. Production's great, 
and it's it's just one that like I sing "Die Die My Darling" like all the time. So awesome song! Wow, wow, we twelve different songs. Yes, twelve different songs. We added an extra person. We come up with twelve spots, and we come up with twelve different songs. Yep, that is that is crazy. That's awesome. That's really cool. It really is. I mean, uh, if you go back into our history, um, and you hear the the big fours that that Chris and I do, you'll you'll hear there's there are times, and oddly enough, with bands that we have no similarities to, we will come up with fifty percent, yeah, the same as the other person, right? And then there's bands that like like Metallica where we're you know we, we have pretty much that much more in common. It's completely different. So it, that's pretty awesome. I like that. Absolutely. I love all, all 12 songs are great. You know, you can't go wrong with either one of them. So that is, that is quite, quite awesome. And they don't slack on their, their covers. You know, they, they put in a lot of effort on their covers. You can't take that away from that band. No, yeah, that's absolutely true. I agree with that. hundred percent. Good stuff. All right. Well, that's our big four songs Metallica covered. And that concludes this special episode of Debating Metal, the 72 Seasons Review. Sklo, on behalf of Chris and myself, I want to thank you once again for joining us on the review of 72 Seasons. I hope we get to do it again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Remember, you can listen to us every week on your favorite podcast platform. So click like or subscribe so you can just wake up and see our smiling faces while we wait for you to click play. And don't forget you can interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. If you listen to us on YouTube, be sure to leave us a comment and ring that bell to be notified when we post a new episode. And remember to tune in next week when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Sklo, Kenneth, and myself, stay safe and always turn it up to 11. See ya.